is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with, is that really in the Bible? Your Bible says in Romans 8 and verse 8, it says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, it's interesting, you know, as I, basically that's all I see is flesh. You know, as I interact in the world and, and go about in my business, interact with people in the world, that's all I see is flesh and blood. As you look at the man or woman in the mirror, what do you see? You see flesh and blood. And of course, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 50 says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You ever ask the question, why? Why can't flesh and blood inherit the kingdom of God? Let me tell you why. Because flesh and blood cannot please God. That's the reason why. Now, obviously, we have a dilemma here. What are we going to do about this? Why would God create something that in and of itself cannot please God? The way you came into the world, you cannot. The natural way, you know, a little baby that's born into the world, you can't please God. That's what your Bible is saying. And a baby is a good example of this. You know, you look at a little child, you know, kicking and screaming until it gets what it wants. Yeah. This little ball of flesh cannot please God. Now, I want you to look at this picture here. This is a picture of a, a child, man and woman, but a child inside of an adult body. And that's basically the way we are. You know, uh, we're talking about adults who never grew past, who never grow past this kicking and screaming to get what he wants, okay? We just present it now differently that we're older. We... we we don't present it, you know, we present it a little bit different. You know, we use subterfuge and deception to get what we want. Uh, we lie and manipulate to get what we want. We run over other people to get what we want. We are just spoiled brats in an adult body. I mean, just look at the behavior of the typical three-year-old child or what they call the terrible twos, okay? I will not pick up my toys. Pick up your toys. I will not pick up my toys. And you've got these passive parents. You ever seen these passive, passive parents who they beg and they plead with the child, won't you please pick up your toys? Oh, please, please, please pick up your toys. And, and, and all you have it's just you have children trying to rear children. Let's go back to the picture. The picture reveals it all. You know, it, all we're talking about is children trying to rear children. The reason, you know, my, my sister one time told me, she said she, the reason they didn't have any ki uh, children is because she would kill them. Uh, I thought that was funny, but she, she was the type, you know, just, just she is the type that just wouldn't put up with a lot of this the stuff that you see in child rearing. Now, the answer is so simple, by the way. It consists of three words, whip, his, and you fill in the blank, okay? That's the answer. You know, you ever been sitting around, you know, like a, a family get together, and here's this spoiled brat, won't pick up his toy, won't do a thing, and, and, and you, know, you know what you're thinking, and you know what everybody else in the whole room is thinking. They're thinking, why don't they whip his 
and, 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 and you know, and you're wondering, why, 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 do it, you know. And maybe if you had a chant going on, maybe if everybody started chanting, whip his, you know, whip, and everybody get together. And maybe, maybe the person would get it. Maybe the person would get it. Maybe if they held up cue cards, whip his, you know, and then they would get it. Or, and maybe you're watching TV and Wheel of Fortune, the, the slogan is, uh, as they un undo the letters, the, the letters say, whip his, you know, and, and maybe they would get it then. I doubt it, but maybe, maybe you know, I, I don't know why parents don't get it, but they don't. You know, now, Proverbs 23 and verse 13 says this, Always correct children when they need it. If you spank them, it will not kill them. In fact, you might save their life. Yes, absolutely. Now, so my point is this. The way we came into this world, you cannot please God. And the Bible backs this up, don't you know? The Bible backs this up. Job 14 and verse 4 says, Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Okay. Psalms 51 and verse 5 says, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Romans 7, 7 and verse 18 says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, there it is, in my flesh, the way you naturally came into this world, when you were born a little child and you came up to, into the world and everybody thought you were so sweet and, and, and beautiful or whatever. I, I never figured that one out. I think that babies are ugly, but, but uh, like a little monkey or something. But, but you know, I, guess, I guess if you're a mother, you think your child is beautiful. Uh, the only beautiful child I ever seen was my own, my daughter. Okay. <laughs> but I guess that goes with the territory. All right. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. The flesh cannot please God. Now, the question is, why would God create something that in and of itself cannot please him? Now, you see, this is the issue right here. We don't view ourselves or others as such. In fact, I was just listening to a country western song that said something like, I believe all people are good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, visit a prison, okay, and, and carry that nonsense into, into the prison. All right. Uh, Romans 8 and verse 8 says, They that are in the flesh cannot please God. So my question is, what does it take? What does it take to please God? Is there a way? To in the flesh that we can please God. Because we're not really, at this moment, we're not changing the flesh. You're not going to change the flesh until the day that you die. And the moment you change the flesh is when you are resurrected by the power of God. So we've got, we've got to live with this. Okay. So how do we please God in the flesh? Now there is a way, and I'm going to reveal that way to you. So keep listening. All right. So what does it take to please God? Okay. Acts of kindness. Generosity. Food banks for the poor, Mother Teresa, what does it take? Love for home, family, country? You mean, you mean I'm still not getting anywhere? They that are in the flesh cannot please God. In other words, what I'm saying is this. Righteousness and good deeds done with the flesh are of no value towards eternal life. They're really not. Okay. Now, I've met people that believe that it was. That all my good deeds, you know, that's, that's a value. I met a guy, he used to, he was not a Christian by a long shot. He cursed the sky blue, God's name in vain, all that stuff. 
But he took care of his anorexic, not his anorexic, his hypochondriac wife. Okay. Uh, she was always sick. Sick, sick, sick. Every time you call her, sick, sick, sick. I'm sick, sick, sick. You get sick. I got sick of hearing how sick she was. Okay. But uh, he took care of her. And he told me one time, he said, you know, I think, you know, when the time comes, God's going to look at me and say, well, now, Ray, you, you took care of your wife and, and you, you, you know, you, you bent over backwards for her and you served her and go on through the pearly gates, you know. You see, there are people that believe that the good things that they're doing in the flesh is of value and will get them through the pearly gates. Hollywood is a good example of this. You know, they, they give their millions, don't you know, for some charitable organization. I'm not knocking that. That's a good thing. But the idea is, I, I think God will weigh out the bad with the good, and hopefully I got a little bit more good, and that's how God does things, you know. Uh, I met a lot of non-religious people that believe in salvation by works, and it really dawned on me one time. I, I never made this connection until I would see non-religious people that they're, they're, they're involved in serving the community. They're involved in the Boy Scouts. They're involved in the Girl Scouts. And they're just, in their spare time, they're working themselves to death serving. And again, the idea is if I, I, I can just outweigh the bad with the good, and God will look at this good, and he will say, Go on in, you know, into the kingdom of God. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 2 talks about a religious group of people. Now, that may not seem religious, but let, let's read this. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, uh, fierce, despisers of those that are good, trady, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. Yes, they've got their religion. They have their form of godliness. But denying the power thereof from such turn away. Now, I'm telling you, this form of godliness that people have has deceived many, many people. Because we say, you know, we look at people and we say, oh, that person is doing a good work there. They're doing a good thing. They must be a Christian. Good deeds is the criteria we use to judge whether a person is a Christian or not. Doing something good must be a Christian. That's a Christian guy, right? That's a Christian man. Guy helped me change my spare tire. You know, that's, okay, that's what we say. Now, notice Isaiah 64 and verse 6. It says, we are an all an unclean thing. That's the way you come into the world. And all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like. You see, righteousness done with the flesh always has the wrong motive. Now, I know that's hard for you to wrap your mind around, that people could have wrong motives with the good things that they do. But you've got to just understand, flesh cannot please God. That's, that's, you've got to believe your Bible. The way we naturally come into the world, we cannot please God. All right. Even the good deeds contain selfishness and vainglory in their purpose. I used to have a guy that worked with me, and he found out that I was a minister. And I would go meet him at a store to pick him up. He'd be sitting in his truck reading his, reading his Bible, but he'd have it up like this in the window so I could see it. I thought, that's strange. I mean, I don't read my Bible like that. I don't hold it up like that. I mean, I... I'd have it in my lap, you know, but he would always have his like that. Like, he wanted me to know that he was, he too was a Christian, you see. 
Even the good deeds contain selfishness and vain glory. Jesus spoke of this. He said, when you pray, you know, people praying, they think they'll be heard for their great exalted prayer. You know, just, just get on TV. Watch the religion on TV. Watch some YouTube video of some person praying, you know. And, and what is Jesus saying? He's saying, flesh and blood cannot please God. Flesh and blood can, can, you know, the flesh cannot please God. Yes, it can be praying. It can be doing all kinds of wonderful things, but it can't please God because it's got the wrong motive for the things that it does. Again, Jesus said, when you give, don't be as a hypocrite. You know, they, they sound a trumpet when you throw in some coins into the treasure. You know, and this guy's giving. Or you get your brick, you know, donate it to the church with your name on it. Okay, vainglory, vainglory. Flesh cannot please God. When you fast, don't disfigure your face and woe is me so everybody can see that you're fasting, that you're humbling yourself and all that. You know, flesh, the flesh cannot please God. But all of these things, prayer, giving, fasting, are religious activities done for the wrong motive. They have their reward. The reward is their flesh ego is stroked. Just like this guy, you know, thought, wow, now he knows I'm a Christian. I got my Bible up there. He sees I'm reading my Bible too. And he knows I'm a Christian too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 indeed. Those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, what is human nature, the way we come into the world? We have to ask, okay, what is human nature? That way you can understand why flesh and blood, flesh cannot please God. Okay, well, just look at, pick up the Bible, read the Bible. Look at it. What's the first story? One of the first stories you come, come across. Cain killed Abel. All right? What is human nature? Well, it's vanity, lust, greed, envy, jealousy, hatred. This is the nature that we're born with. Left to itself, this is what it produces. Okay? Just left to itself, this is what it produces. Now, human nature, with all of its vices, vanity, lust, greed, jealousy, envy, hatred, is also capable of many good works, good, kind, generous acts. This explains why many in the world who do not have the Spirit of God can do many good deeds. Yes, it explains that. However, these deeds are accomplished with the flesh, and they do not result in eternal life. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. That's Romans 8 and verse 8. Now, we're going to get to the turning point right now. Okay, how can we then, in the flesh, please God? Because that's all we are. I don't have any other choice to change that one, at least not yet. That, will be, that change will occur at the resurrection. So, okay, so I'm flesh. And I'm flesh. How can I please God? Here's the turning point. Next verse, Romans 8 and verse, Romans 8 and verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if, the biggest two-letter word in the English language, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In other words, the way we came into the world, the natural way we came into the world, you cannot please God. The only way you can please God is if, you receive the Spirit of God. Now, did you have this explained to you? You know, most people think they can please God in the flesh. Well, I'll just, uh, I'll go to church more. Yeah, I'll go to church this Sunday and 
and uh, I'll please God. Uh, I'll give my heart to the Lord. I'll love, I will love Jesus. I'll go to church. I'll do more good than bad. Uh, if I say I'm sorry, I can please, you know. I, I can remember, remember as a little boy, I was 12 years old. It was probably the last year uh, my, my parents, they quit celebrating Christmas right after that. But it was the last year we celebrated Christmas, and my mother had this beautiful white Christmas tree with this gold, gold lights on it. It was so beautiful. I was laying there, lying there listening to Eddie Arnold music, thinking to myself, man, I feel so close to God. I feel so good. I feel, me and God, we're like that. You know? And, it, you know, I didn't have this stuff explained to me, that the way we came into the world, you cannot please God. Did you have it explained to you? They that are in the flesh cannot please God. The way you naturally come into the world, you can't please God. You are incomplete. Did you have it explained to you that you are incomplete? That you need God's spirit to unite with man's spirit? That God must give you his spiritual DNA? There is a way. Did you have it explained to you that there is a way for you to receive the spirit of God? Did you have that explained to you? Most of you did not. Now, I did explain this to our daughter. And I told her, I said, I said, you know, Rebecca, you are incomplete in and of yourself. The way you came into, I explained it like I just explained it right now. The way you came into the world, you are incomplete. And you need to come to a point, quickly, hopefully, where you receive God's spirit that will unite with your spirit and will guide and direct you and will help you be an overcomer and, and eventually make you like him. I explained that to my daughter. Now, what is the age that one should be baptized and receive the Spirit of God? You know, it's amazing. I see young people, you know, they go to college, they go into the military, they start a career, they choose a mate, they get married, uh, they start a family, but you're not old enough to realize that you need the Spirit of God. My point is this, before you do any of those decisions, before you start a career, before you move away, you know, you need to Realize your need for the Spirit of God, that, that internal leadership. Because without it, you don't have the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You're on your own, and flesh cannot please God. Without the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you are, on, you are totally just out there taking the hits and the bruises and you know, knocking your head against the wall, and nothing works without the leadership of God's Holy Spirit. Now, I think, when are you old enough? To, when you are old enough to know, we're asking the question, okay, when you, should you be baptized and receive the Spirit of God? Here's the answer. When you are old enough to know that you are incomplete in and of yourself. You're incomplete. Now, I figured this out at an early age that I was incomplete. I just didn't know what I was supposed to do about it. I was, I, no one had told me how to receive the Spirit of God, the process, that there is a process for receiving the Spirit of God. No one told me that. But I realized that I was incomplete at about, in my teens. I was at a pool party. You know, kids were running and jumping in the pool. People were drinking way too much. And one guy over here was throwing up, uh, you know, all this gross stuff. But, but I looked at that. I mean, I'm sort of the hermit type. I got off by myself. I looked at that and I thought, wow, there. There's got to be more to life than this. If this is all there is to life, I'm missing something. I realized at that early age, as a teenager, I was incomplete. 
Now, I want to tell you something. Satan's greatest deception is to keep you from receiving the Spirit of God. How does he do that? Well, I want to go through some of the ways he does this. Number one, the illusion that if you are religious, that means you have the Spirit of God. In other words, you like going to church, you know. You, 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 there's an illusion that, okay, I'm religious, I must have the Spirit of God. No, not true. There is a way to receive the Spirit of God. You know, it's like no woman ever said she was, came home and said she's half pregnant. I'm half pregnant. That doesn't work. You either have the Spirit, and if any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. You either have it or you do not. There's no such thing as halfway or thinking or I believe and maybe. No, 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 no. You either have it or you do not have it. And there's a way to receive it. There are all kinds of Christians who think that they have the Spirit of God because they choose to be religious. You know, I, I just... Now, I do believe the Spirit can lead you to do things, you know, maybe to go to church and do things like that. But there comes a critical... The Spirit will always lead you to the point of receiving the Spirit of God. And there is a way to... There's a process for receiving the Spirit of God. Number two, deadly mistake that people make. That they're born with the Spirit of God. Nothing could be further. No. Flesh cannot please God. That, all right, that should nail it down for you right there. You're not born with the Spirit of God. You're born flesh. And flesh cannot please God. Okay, three. Not identifying the difference between being drawn of the Holy Spirit and receiving the Spirit. I think this is critical. As I said earlier, you can be drawn by God's Spirit. God's Spirit can lead you closer and closer to Him. But the purpose of God's Spirit leading you closer to Him is so that you come to that point where you receive the Spirit of God. Okay, how do you do that? Well, Acts 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, what it involves is something called unconditional surrender. You put up your white flag and you say, God, I've tried everything. It's not working. I surrender my will to your will. I will do what you tell me to do. That's what it takes to receive the Spirit of God. Unconditional surrender. Number four, another concept that people have is if I just pray that God would give me his Holy Spirit, that's all I need to do. No, no. No, it's not about that. You know, you know, now, now, once you receive the Spirit of God, you can pray for more of God's Spirit. Yeah, that's okay. But what I'm saying is there is a way, a process for receiving the Spirit of God. And unless you follow that process, you're not going to be granted God's Spirit. It's not just an issue of, Lord, I need your Spirit. No. There's a way to receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. There is a way to receive that leadership of the Spirit of God. Number five, not realizing the requirements for receiving the Holy Spirit. What do I mean, requirement? You mean there are requirements for receiving the Spirit of God? Absolutely. Acts 5 and verse 32. And we are His witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to them that obey Him. God gives His Spirit to those who are willing to obey Him. You put up your surrender flag, your little white flag, I surrender all, and you're willing to do what God tells you to do. God's obviously, think about it, God's not going to give His Spirit to a rebel. No way. No. There are requirements for receiving the Spirit of God. 
The nature people choose to live by determines their destiny. The nature people choose to live by determines their destiny. Romans 6 and verse 15, what shall we say then? Shall we con uh, continue in sin? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under God? grace? God forbid. Know you not that to whom you yield yourself, yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. There's the two choices. The only, the only way that you can even have the desire to be obedient is if you have the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, all you will do is serve the flesh. All you will do is serve the sin nature. Now, I want to offer you something here that is absolutely critical. Number one, baptism counseling, what you should have known before being baptized. You want to make sure that relationship that you have with God is valid. And you need, to, you need this, uh, these tw uh, two CDs that talk about this, that goes through a lot of questions about what you should have known before you were baptized. Another offer, how to receive the Spirit of God. It's, this is critical information. And should you be baptized? This is a packet. goes all together. I'll send that to you free of charge. won't beg you for money or anything like that. But uh, I will be glad to send that to you because you want to make sure that relationship that you think you have, that you have the leadership of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing more critical than having the indwelling presence of the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It will change your life. It will change your life. Now, before I go, if you have any questions about Spirit, God, whatever, it doesn't matter, about the Bible, write me, send me in your questions that you have about uh, concerning God, concerning the Bible, and I'll try to answer them maybe in a program where I go through these questions. I just want to mention that. So, I'll see you next time. I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Many people spend their whole life repeating the same old mistakes. What does it take to have good discernment and good judgment? It takes having the Spirit of God. But what many people overlook is, the Spirit of God is not something that you are born with. Man was created incomplete, missing that spiritual element that would make him complete. The Bible clearly lays out the way to receive the Spirit of God. Learn the step-by-step -step process for receiving the Spirit of God. Order your free copy of Why You Need the Holy Spirit. Order by writing to Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org.